Greetings, Earthlings. I'm Marshall Weber. Sadly, my co-host Monica Johnson is taking the day off, but this is still Brooklyn Calling. Welcome to our show where we talk about all things artist books, libraries, and social justice. I'm an artist and curator at Brooklyn Inc., an arts nonprofit located in Brooklyn, New York, on the unceded lands of the Muncie Lenape people. Brooklyn Calling was created to amplify the voices within the artist book field, but also to explore art making as a tool for community engagement and social justice. Today, our guest is Sophia Zamozi, who I'm very excited to talk to. Sophia is an artist who makes graphic novels, artist books, and zines. Her debut graphic novel, Unretouchable, was published by Graphic Universe in September of 2022 and tackles social media and image manipulation. She is currently working on her second graphic novel, a memoir about her adolescence in and out of the troubled teen industry. Sophia received her BA from NYU's Gallatin School for Individualized Study in 2017 and is obsessed with analog photo booths. Originally from New York City, she now lives in Massachusetts with her husband, her two-year-old daughter, and their three-toothed Pomeranian named Breakfast, who also happens to be a meme. Maybe we'll talk about that later. So hi, Sophia, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, we are very happy to have you. Um, we met quite a while ago, didn't we? Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm really interested in um, what your perspective was in terms of, um, you know, the, those first few meetings at Brooklyn when you were kind of um, a fairly young zinester. Totally. I, I was trying to remember if I how I discovered you. I know that I came to Brooklyn on a field trip. I was taking an artist's book class at NYU, but I think I already knew you guys and was perhaps had already even started doing stuff with you before that. I, I am not remembering, but I think that must have been in 2015 or maybe 2016. And I just thought, Brooklyn was incredibly cool and it totally was it opened my eyes to a whole world that I really didn't know anything about um I am not really like in the zine world or the zine. I think it's amazing and I love it but I'm not I'm just not really that in it but um Brooklyn kind of just introduced me to I mean, I've always loved making books and Brooklyn was the first time I, I saw how many ways you could make books and how many amazing, cool books are out there. And it was just a very exciting thing to discover. So it's really interesting because we kind of have uh, used you in kind of talking about zine making and artist book making and how zines are kind of like... Um, the gateway drug <laughs> to artist books, which then totally. becomes like this really whole obsessive relationship with the book and works on paper and all kinds of media. Um, so I'm kind of really interested in like 
before Bookland, like you said, you you were already kind of making books just kind of on your own, and you, you, you sort of have a little bit of a literary thing going in your family. So, so can you go like way back? Um, because you, you do a lot of sort of autobiographical stuff that reaches back into childhood. So I'm wondering if you can like go way back and, you know, go to the very beginning, like the first zine book thing that you made. Yes, totally. I love that zines are the gateway drug. I totally agree. I remember the first book or one of the first books I made as a very small kid was like a tiny book that was supposed to be like a mouse's book. <laughs> and it was just, I, I, I loved, I don't know, I've always loved um, making things. And, and there's something I've always found very satisfying about making a book, like putting all the individual pages together, finding them somehow, and then boom, you have this like cohesive object. And I just I think even as a little kid, I found that very pleasing. And um, yeah, I I guess that just has, oh, it just sort of continued throughout my life. And um, I don't really remember what exactly made me do my, um, made me, I'm trying to remember like what the first zine I did was in my adulthood. I think it was like the girls series. Um, Mm -hmm. and that same thing, I just like found it really satisfying to put them together, find them. And I, you know, I love that I I've, as an artist, I've always been very sort of impulsive. Like I, I'll get inspired and I'll just have to do something I don't want to necessarily wait to have all the perfect materials or like plan everything out I've always just really enjoyed like following the inspiration making it and with a zine you can just like pretty quickly make a a book and share it with people and and I think that just really attracted me to the medium so what do you think it is? Like a lot of people read books and a lot of kids read books and we're always kind of tossing books at children and, you know, childhood literacy is a really big deal. Um, at Bookland, we often say that artist books are like children's books for adults. What do you think was the thing that made you go from like looking at books, reading books to making books? Hmm. That's a good question. And I love that you said artist books are children's books for adults because I love making children's books. Well, I make, I love making picture books and I have all these picture books that I've made over the years that I would love to one day publish or get published. And I'm always like, they're not totally super kiddie kids books. I just like thinking about picture books, not just being for kids. You, you know, you said it was pleasure that kind of motivate you to, motivated you to make books, but I was just kind of trying to get a little more specific about, um, because I wonder this about myself, like what was that thing that turns us from like a consumer to a producer, like from reading books to making books? And I wonder if there was a moment for you. Hmm. I don't know, because I've always been... I really have always been very much a 
maker and a draw I've always ever since I was you know tiny I've loved drawing and making pictures and telling stories through my artwork so I think that part of me has just um always been pretty active there was a a period through my teens and early 20s where it kind of got like was dormant for a little while um just you know I was based on life stuff I I didn't have as active a practice but um around the time I started making zines and um working with you guys is when it was really I was having a sort of like resurgence of my creativity which was um a really exciting time. I don't know exactly what made me want to make books versus just consume them, but um yes, pleasure, satisfaction and like a compulsion maybe to you know share things and like share parts of myself um you know there's something very um like something very therapeutic it it can be very therapeutic to 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 make a book or make a zine about something especially personal stuff you know and um so I'm sure that's part of it too so I want to talk a little bit more about your zines and um, and then later I want to talk a little bit more about this gateway thing about how you went from zines to artist books to box sets and all those things. Mm-hmm. But you did this really kind of amazing series when I first met you. It really struck me. Um, it was interesting to me how kind of like the digital generations, the millennials, the generations, whatever, Z, X, Y, I don't know, the knots. Um, It was interesting that you see all these younger people submerged in digital culture and social media, but never saw a lot of artists making work about that in other media, whereas you were making all these great drawings and then all these great zines about Instagram. And I I remember being so gravitated to your work because it was kind of like, finally... Here's someone making work about social media outside of the medium of digital technology. I mean, that was super interesting to me. And it was kind of um, amplified by the fact that there was sort of a feminist aspect to it, um, or not really feminist, but like almost because it was a, there was a little bit of just a female identified solidarity like there wasn't like an ideological slant it was just like here's all this stuff going on on social media and I'm going to take a few steps back and portray it in drawings and then distribute these drawings in zine form to these smaller communities so it was like a minute kind of reflection of the giant millions of people online and then there you are giving out your books about that so uh, just wondered what feelings you have about that well thank you so much for (laughs) appreciating that and it it makes me so happy um I don't think it was really thought out at all but um I have thought about it more over the years especially because my my graphic novel that just came touchable is tackling social media and digital images as well. And, um, and I obviously drew that book. Um, and, uh, 
I don't know. I think there's something about drawing, changing the medium, like drawing digital images with my hand that kind of helps me to process them and see them differently and like change my relationship to them. And especially with all the Insta, the girls on Instagram series, um, you know, finding these images and then drawing them. I mean, the honest truth is the real reason I did it or started that series was just like a compulsion to do it. Like I found some of the images that I was seeing on social media. So like either entertaining or disgusting or just like I was just finding some of the things I was seeing were so interesting to me that I just wanted to draw them. And in that process, I feel like I sort of was forced to go from maybe judgment or even insecurity or whatever to a place of more curiosity and um, intrigue or, you know, even appreciation and that whole process I mean, that's like one of the things I just like about drawing in general, you know, you're really kind of learning something through like this thing, this way of looking at it that's just very specific to drawing. Okay, so I want to um I want to talk a little bit more about that kind of you know, physical versus you know, virtual digital representation, because it's just interesting to me. It's like you're using your body to do these drawings and all these young women are using this digital interface to do things about their bodies. And you're kind it's kind of like an interesting filter. And I, I'm, you know, so let's talk about girls and their food on Instagram specifically. Like, it seems like a really loaded kind of uh, subject matter. And so I'm wondering if you could kind of like step it back to like your experience in, I guess you would say, researching and then doing the drawings and then kind of editing all that stuff and what you were feeling and what you were thinking about in that process. Totally. Well, yes, I would say I would agree with you. It was a little loaded. I actually around that time was just getting into recovery for eating disorders. So I think my interest and preoccupation with food was definitely related to that. Although I wouldn't have necessarily connected it at the time but now looking back it's just notable um but also like it's funny because I feel like it's sort of a slice of the the moment because at the time the whole phenomenon of posting food photos was like so ubiquitous on social media like social media was more about that than it was necessarily posting selfies I mean obviously people were posting selfies then too but a little less so than now, but, and I think just the whole phenomenon of the food photos was more novel at that time to me. Um, and, and I was just interested in how gender was being sort of performed through food photos. And, um, and 
I, I just found them so sort of interesting, some of them cringy and some of them really funny and some of them really sort of weirdly revealing. And I just wanted to draw them. So it's interesting because you, you, this is like a trope that you used. You have girls in their bodies, girls making faces, girls in their food on Instagram, which we're talking about, girls in their dogs on Instagram. And I think those are all kind of re reflect previous pieces that you did. But um, one of the things we did when, after we met you is we were like, oh, let's make a box set of Sophia's Instagram books because it, again, just a way to framework how important we thought that that critical, critical perspective was. So um, I want to backtrack to get your feeling about um, that body of work and then your feelings about seeing these individual zines put into you know, the box set concept. Um, and what was kind of great, again, about you specifically as an artist is it, you were so receptive to ideas. So, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, okay, um, we think we should sell a box set of your zines because they all make sense. And people go like, yeah, okay. But but you go, oh, well, okay, then I'm going to hand paint boxes for all these box sets. So it's just like kind of one step further. So um, tell us about all that. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I was so, um, I so appreciated. I, and still today appreciate all ideas and I loved the box set idea. I mean, in the same way that I love how satisfying a book with a, with, you know, a, a putting together pieces to make a book is very satisfying. Putting things in boxes is also satisfying. <laughs> and, um, I and what really could be just, better than making books and putting them into boxes? I, honestly, it is really the most satisfying, pleasurable thing to do. Um, I had so much fun painting the boxes. I also like, I don't think I really knew when you guys told me about the phenomenon of box sets. I wasn't, I didn't really know. I didn't have a, I didn't know exactly what that would look like. So I just sort of was like, well, I'm going to find boxes and paint them. And I just, uh, yeah, that's, it was really fun. I did have like some mishaps. My first round of boxes that I painted, I like painted it on a bat. The, the boxes were not um, like good for holding paint and all the paint just peeled off them. It was really mortifying. <laughs> but um, besides that, it was just a really fun experience. And um and yeah, and interesting for me just to sort of look at my own work in that way as like a sort of a set and see the story that they were all telling together. It was definitely really interesting and even more interesting now as time has passed and like the whole world of social media has just grown and evolved in the ways that it has. Like looking back, it now seems like this really interesting little slice of a moment. So how do you feel about the Instagram series now and the, the girls in Instagram series now, when you look back at that body of work and um, where you were when you did it and, and, and now at this perspective? It's interesting because I don't think I would make a series now called girls and they're anything just because <laughs> I 
don't refer to myself as a girl anymore. Like I do feel like I have become a woman. <laughs> um, whereas at the time I very much would have said I was a girl. Like I, you know, I, I also was aware, you know, at the time that that word can be very pejorative and I was using it sort of purposefully to, because I was, I feel like I was showing a performance of girldom um, and like social media is so much about that performance. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think I would make that today. Um, I thought it was interesting that, um, you really portrayed a wide, in all those titles, you portrayed a really wide perspective of girls, young women, women, and um, kind of like all across cultural and ideological and, you know, spectrums. And, um, but what's interesting is you seem to have like a empathy, a sympathy with all of them. Like there was kind of an interesting, um, I don't know, respectful and even celebratory way that you kind of depicted because they're, they're basically portraits, right? I mean, you're, um, it, it's all about that self-referentiality and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, how purposeful that was, or are you just like a nice person or was this a strategy or how, no, how I'm that definitely worked? not a nice person, but I do feel like there's something like in drawing back to the, the whole process of drawing someone or drawing something, there is something for me that is inherently respectful, you know, and in my, in my collecting, like as I would research and look for these images, I was choosing images that I was, that I thought were interesting or that I was drawn to in some way. So, you know, there is an inherent like, it, like respect or whatever there. Um, and I definitely was kind of, I mean, obviously these are not like, I'm not an anthropologist or anything, but I was definitely trying to sort of create a collection that was like a sample, a sample of many different ways of being on social media. Right. Cause you're, you're definitely documenting this phenomenon, right. And, mm -hmm. and because they, it, it is all categorical phenomenon, you know, girls mm -hmm. and their dogs was a thing, right. Yes. Um, girls and their bodies was a thing and always will be a thing probably. <laughs> um, girls making faces was an actual thing. Like for yeah. some of these categories, there were like really specific moments. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also kind of traveled with this stuff in terms of um, both in terms of subject and material form, because, you know, you start with these zines, you go into these box sets and um, you had kind of uh, a parallel kind of career as a painter and worked in other media, but you were also, um, I mean, I think you did, painted books along when you were doing the zines you were, do yes. you were doing the manipulations of children's books um yes. so maybe you can talk about um because you know i think we use you as this kind of like linear example like the gateway um zine thing 
But in reality, you were always kind of working in different approaches mm-hmm. in terms of the book form. So, mm-hmm. so talk about that a little. Yeah, I also, the painted books, I've, I've always, I think I was making painted books at the same time as zines and, you know, painted books being like a more one, one of a kind object. And I, and there have been some things I've made that like, I've made some painted books that I have then reproduced as zines. So there's definitely some crossover and um i love making painted books i actually just finished one that i'm very excited about it's called weird is wonderful and it's a picture book about it's an abc picture book and each page is just like a awkward is awesome b bizarre is beautiful c curious is cute and so on i immediately think of your affirmations book for instance where it's all the different kind of portraits and of of these um and, and it's maybe not the books book that people think it is mm-hmm. <laughs> i um but i don't i kind of don't want to give it away <laughs> yeah. but um you could go on bookland.org's website and look for sophia Savosi's affirmations book and again you might be surprised but there is something about the affirmative nature of a lot of your work um you know, a, maybe a little bit of dark positivity. I don't know. Um, pessimistic optimism. Uh, but I want to go back a little um, to the girl series because you kind of stayed with that for a while. And you, uh, after the zines, you did the Me Too on Instagram book, which kind of referred to all those subject matters that the zines took on, but you did that as kind of a limited edition artist book where you were up in the ante and making a screen printed book. So talk about that. Yes, that was so fun and such a cool experience. I had never screen printed anything and I, I pers- I physically did not do the screen printing, but I had a wonderful, talented friend, um, help me with the with that part and it was just so cool to to learn about the whole process and watch it come together and um yeah I mean I the that book is a collection of illustrations based on Instagram posts from October 2018 so like a year after the Me Too movement really um went crazy and all posts that had been tagged with the hashtag me too. And, um, the illustrations were like very sort of simplified graphical renditions of the posts. And then on the adjacent page would, would be the caption, um, the, that the user had posted. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was just really interested in how that movement sort of was expressing itself on social media and how the phenomenon of how movements can sort of just become everything like, um, you know, that hashtag, what obviously started out as like a sort of, um, rallying cry had sort of morphed into tons of stuff. You know, there would be like 
people posing with Pepsi cans and then there would be people marching and then there would be someone smoking a bong and like just everything with the hashtag me too. And I, I found that really interesting. The spectrum that you illustrate is in some ways just kind of uh, wild, right? I mean, there's like overtly anti-feminist statements in the guise of critiquing me too. There's statements that you just can't even figure out what's <laughs> going on. And, and there is kind of also militant feminist statements. And um, how, when you went back, you know, kind of brought the girl thing forward to look, because uh, there's an interesting relationship, you know, kind of like girl to women politics. Um, when you step back and look at Me Too on Instagram in relationship to all the other earlier zines, what do you see in terms of those bodies of work? I definitely see a progression and I like that girl to woman thing. I mean, I see definitely a sort of deeper looking like, uh, you know, obviously the girls series was less, some less political. Um, and, uh, they're definitely related, but, but the, the me too one is, is an evolution. Definitely. So I want to go back because the, this thing about groupings, like we kind of, there's so many different pieces that, you know, you, you've made a lot of work. I mean, as an artist, you're actually pretty prolific um, in, in various media. But I remember at one point, and I'm not sure at one point, what point in this kind of history, we did the everything box set where we had, oh, I think it was about 18 of your zines and and they went really far back right you had some really early stuff that you had reprinted you had all the uh, some new stuff um and then you even had the one zine for unretouched that you had to remove and so talk about the everything box set yeah that was also so much fun just like it was really I feel like I've said satisfying too many times, but very satisfying to see my whole body of work, all all my zines together. Um, really cool just, you know, as an artist to have that. And I still have both of my box sets are on my mantle still in my living room. So like I I do feel proud of them. And actually the everything set, my everything set has grown <laughs> substantially since the 18 zines that you have because I've continued to add to my personal um, set. And, you know, like it's kind of nice. I kind of enjoy putting them all together because there are some zines, you know, the zines that I may not be as excited about or maybe think like as time has passed, I'm like, oh, that one was lame. It's like, who cares? It's in the everything set. I can just sort of accept it as part of a body of work, which I like. So talk about Rat Shoe. I love Rat Shoe. I, I guess the first thing I can say about it is it is a story that I heard from someone else. So I, I do, in, in Rat Shoe, I am telling a story about 
witnessing a woman step on a rat in Chinatown with like a stiletto heel and the heel going straight through the rat. And I'm speaking in the first person, but that did not, I did not actually witness that. That was a, an anecdote that I heard from someone else, but it had always stuck with me. And I, I kind of, when hearing it, it was such a strong image. And I always just kind of wanted to, to make a, a book of it. And that's what Rat Shoe is. <laughs> and it's painted with, with watercolors. So do you think that's an urban legend or you, the anecdote was from someone who saw it really? The anecdote was from someone who saw it really, but, um, let's just, let's just say it really happened because I want to believe that it did. And actually that is a good example of something that started as a painted book because the original rat shoe was a painted book in the little book set that you guys had. And then I reproduced it as a zine. So that's rat shoe. Maybe one day it will become a graphic novel. There you go. <laughs> so, so let's, let's fast forward to now and, and let's talk about unretouchable, um, you know, which I know as a book that was in the original everything box set, which was removed because of, uh, um, you know, a, a publishing agreement. So, um, it's a great trajectory, right? Like the, the, the zines, the, um, painted books, the box sets, the screen printed limited editions, and then blam, now the trade publication. So let's talk about the whole life of, of Unretouchable. Yes. It's been so cool to watch Unretouchable evolve from the zine that I made in 2016. So I made this zine, I, I was doing an internship at NYU with a photo retoucher, um, like learning about photo retouching. And he, you know, was, uh, technically he was called a digital imaging specialist. So he would do all the tech on photo shoots for like fashion stuff. And then he would also do photo retouching. And so I was doing this internship and I had to produce like a final project. And so I decided to make a zine because that was like my, my preferred medium at the time. And I made this zine, which was basically just like my illustrated musings about the creation of unrealistic beauty standards and digital images and advertising. And, um, and while I was doing the internship, I actually got so alienated by the whole world of digital images that I quit social media and I like became obsessed with, um, just like quote unquote unretouchable art and experiences. And I was sort of, this was like where my head was at at the time. And so I made this zine and I remember like cutting and pasting the original zine together on my kitchen floor which was like the biggest floor space I had at the time and just like putting this thing together and then taking it to the copy shop. And it was just a very like fun, physical, tangible experience. Um, and then um, I can't remember how much later I ended up sharing that zine with my agent. So I have an agent who is, um, uh, 
who was very, um, I at that time really had not, I hadn't published anything. This is my first like thing that I, that's published in the world. And, um, she really liked the zine and she was like, you know, this could be a graphic novel. I feel like this could be a YA graphic novel. And I had never, um, thought of doing any YA stuff at all, but I did really, I was very open to her idea and I did like the idea of it being something that could be, um, I, I liked the idea of making something for young people. And, uh, so then I had the process of having to basically take the zine and turn it into a story that could work as a graphic novel. So I basically fictionalized my experience and created a fictional protagonist named Olive, who is 18 and um, about to start her first semester at college and doing this internship as a summer internship. And then, um, so yeah, I, I wrote the script and then I, I did the artwork, the artwork, the whole process of like from writing the script to the finished artwork was like two years. So it was very not a zine <laughs> it took a long time and um and that was really interesting because like it was the first time I've had to really sit with something I mean I I have worked on projects that I've taken years on but like nothing like this this was a totally new thing for me and um really really interesting to I mean I also like realized I don't actually love fiction that much you know the original zine was my a personal essay about my experiences and it was hard for me having to fictionalize it and make it something else and so actually that's why my current project is a graphic memoir which is a just I'm much more comfortable speaking from my own experience I don't want to make it sound like a zine is any less of a book than a book that's published by a publisher and in a bookstore I mean a zine is its own amazing, wonderful thing in itself. It's not like the zine is the lowly zine and like aspires to be a, a, an amazing book one day. You know, I don't think it's, that's not what I think at all, but it's just cool to have seen it change and evolve, you know, and I still love the original zine that I made. Well, I, 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 I love that you are, um, just kind of an illustration of all these possibilities. Although I'm kind of like, wait, your agent? <laughs> Let's roll back to that. Um, <laughs> talk about your agent and how that came to be. The way the agent came to be, unfortunately, is nepotism. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you mentioned earlier, I have a literary family. So I have a grandmother who's like a really renowned historian. And she's in, she's just turned 94. She's like still working. She's an incredible person. Natalie Zeman Davis. And she has an agent because she's published like a thousand books. And, um, you know, when I was, she's, she's always been incredibly supportive of me. And, um, when she knew I was like making a lot of zines and stuff, she's always, she was very supportive and was like, Oh, you should talk to my agent. And, you know, not necessarily even thinking that it would 
just for, you know, advice and a meeting. And the agent, Jennifer Welts, really loved my work and was just like, this is cool, you know. And she, at the time, because all I, I met her with just like a box of zines. <laughs> so I didn't have, I didn't have like any book pitches or anything. I just had like, here's all my zines, you know. And she, I think she was kind of like, okay, like, you know, these are cool, but I don't necessarily have any like great leads for you. But then when I showed her Unretouchable, I think she, that's when she was like, oh, this actually could be a graphic novel. You know, could you make a pitch? Like, could you kind of put something together? And so that's that's how it happened. But yeah, nepotism. Well, genetics. Maybe there's like a reading <laughs> DNA thing going on or something like that. But, but back to kind of, you know... Um, this coherence of your work in terms of looking at issues of body image, for instance, this goes through a lot of your work. And I know um, it's a hard subject matter and I know it's personal and um, historical and, you know, of interest to you. But when, you know, since we've been talking and I'm looking at all your titles and I'm thinking about all these books, it, it really is kind of a major sometimes an undercurrent and sometimes really a focus of a lot of your work. So I'm wondering if um, you think of that as kind of, um, you know, like a, a strategy, a concern. Very much so. I mean, I also am not sure if I would have like, it's not like I would necessarily be thinking it throughout making all these things, but I definitely see it as a common theme that I'm very interested in and still to this day interested in. I mean, I mentioned I have a history of eating disorders and just like the whole process of becoming, going from a little kid to becoming a girl and a woman and growing up and, you know, and uh, being a woman body in this world and, and, um, and like now, you know, having have, I have a two-year-old. So like, obviously my body has transformed in amazing ways. And, um, it's just something I'm very, I'm very interested in. So has your perspective changed? Will your child become part of your audience? Like, how do you see, you know, is there changes in terms of, again, these, these trajectories, these kind of like circling around things, these life experiences. Oh yeah. I mean, my perspective changes all the time. <laughs> I'm constantly changing my perspective. I'm, I'm very interested in, um, I'm, I'm sure that I, I definitely don't see this interest going anywhere. I, I'm sure I'm going to be making art about body image and changing bodies and and the evolving way I I feel about my body um for a long time and I go from feeling terrified for my daughter to feeling inspired and dark darkly positive <laughs> um I uh obviously the whole world of social media just, um, you know, is so, can be so damaging for 
young women and I'm truly uh terrified for what it's gonna be like when she's old enough to be on it but um but I also feel like hopefully you know she will have grown up watching me you know processing it and making art about it and questioning it and talking about it and and hopefully that um hopefully I'll be able to keep it a a conversation so that it's something that we talk about and and look at critically but i guess it's hard not to think about the correlation of these issues of representation with the issues of actual power so we're kind of in this, you know, um, this whole post Roe versus Wade world where we have these glaring, you know, nightmares of, um, you know, the Taliban in Afghanistan and what's going on in Iran and, um, you know, even the whole Handmaiden's Tale fictional universe that reflects that and and yet again and again we're seeing young women in the center of this um you know universe of conflict and so um not to put you in any position of a spokesperson or as i mean you're not telling everyone's story here i mean i i don't think of you as an overtly political artist but you kind of have found like there's I feel like a lot of your work kind of like pokes at really sensitive places and I'm I'm I guess I'm wondering how um how intentional that is how intuitive that is and how you feel your various audiences have reacted to that well yeah, I definitely think poking at sensitive places is my uh, specialty. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, I, when I'm thinking about what I want to make, I, you know, the things that I want to make are things that are uh, sort of, cringy or, um, you know, I think Spitwall is a good example because, um, so Spitwall is a painted book I made about, uh, my teenage bedroom where I used to spit on the walls and I had a wall in, in my bedroom that was like my Spitwall. And this story, you know, every time this would come up with my old friends from adolescence, I would like turn beet red and feel super embarrassed and like horrified, like, oh my God, I can't believe I had a spit wall. Like how disgusting is that? But people would always laugh. And I sort of, as the years went by, I I sort of started to see the story as, you know, less cringy and horrifying and more funny and weird and sort of, um, interesting. And, you know, that was like something that, and then I felt really inspired to make this book about it. And, um, I guess I'm bringing that up as an example because it is, it was a way for me to, um, 
process something, you know, it was exploring something that was very personal and it was a, a dark time in my life. And I, um, and in making this piece of art about it and sharing it with people, I was sort of like processing it and changing it somehow. And, um, and, you know, obviously like sharing your personal experience is really important and, and it, it can be really healing. I can tell you that some of the reactions to Spitwall, just people were completely perplexed. <laughs> like, I, I mean, and some people were like, oh yeah, Spitwall. Yeah. And then <laughs> other people were like, oh, what? Oh, what? What? <laughs> No, you know, like some people could not believe that this was in any way autobiographical. And it seemed like other people were like, oh yeah, I had a spit wall. <laughs> <laughs> people really gravitate to, there's something about your work where there's like a simplicity um, in terms of, you know, what seems like the aesthetic choices, the the kind of the, the portraiture but it's 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 interesting, uh, especially with Me Too on Instagram. Uh, boy, a lot of people and a lot of female-identified people really like that book, and you could see their immediate engagement with it. And that was always really interesting to me. Um, and I guess it's it, it it's what made me gravitate towards your work. The fact that there it was, it was both at one level it was really accessible, and then at another level it seems like what is going on here? <laughs> so I, I really liked that conflict. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's something that you feel or noticed, or again, is this an intentional kind of aesthetic strategy? No, not really intentional. Um, I don't think I, I'm not necessarily thinking about it as I'm drawing or painting or whatever, but I do I do think that when I, I, I think when I'm doing my best work, it's, it is accessible. It seems like there's places where your work often goes that, um, is more complicated than it looks. And it's yes. a little mysterious. And like I said, it's the pokey, like mm -hmm. the little, the little needle prick kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I guess that would be the, the dark positivity that's the dark part <laughs> I mean I definitely like I said have there's there's a part of me that that wants to tell on myself and to maybe confess and um so maybe that's kind of what you're what you're picking up on like it's there's I, I have this impulse to talk about maybe difficult things in my work. And it's actually interesting because as I, I mentioned before, I had the realization that I really do prefer writing from my experience versus writing fiction. Cause I've, I'm, like I said, I'm working on my second book and I've been also trying to figure out what my third book is going to be. And I've been kind of coming up with all these different ideas and, in many ways, it would be very sensible for me to make a another YA graphic novel. So I've been, I, I had been thinking, okay, well, like, you know, what work of fiction could I come up with? And realizing, like, wow, I really do love 
memoirs. I love talking from my own experience. Well, I think it's yeah. a pretty consistent part of your work, right? I, I, I mean, if we go back and we look at the photo booth self-portraits, for instance, mm -hmm. like this, this constant reflection of yourself, this constant mm -hmm. reflection of yourself. And then we can even kind of fast forward to, um, you know, uh, the, your, your participation in the Brooklyn Bridge uh, project, which is a limited edition book of 21 different collaged books that 21 different artists participate in. And the way you participated was to give 21 collages that kind of um, illustrate 21 pages from your diary when you were 21. And of course, this is a book that people are only going to be able to see in like rare books or special collections libraries or museum libraries or maybe an exhibit. But I've been reading all those <laughs> diaries and they're really intense and they're really personal. And, and so it's almost kind of like that. Um, again, I'm going to put this out in the world, you know, for this, you know, for a controlled audience, but, you know, I'm watching people because the book is available and it's, uh, we're up to number seven now, six of them are in public collections. And it was just on, it's been on display and I'm like watching people read your diaries <laughs> <laughs> and they're pretty intense and they're very honest and they're very open and they're almost like the raw material for all the rest of your work. A and again, that speaks to this coherence. And I don't know, I think you need to, um, like I see like your whole life could be fiction, right? I mean, people try to write fiction that's as good as other people's lives. So mm -hmm. maybe you're already there. <laughs> maybe you've just lived this life that has, because again, we, I think we could go line to line from your diaries and say like, oh yeah, um, mm -hmm. that line and golden bottles, your, that scene, <laughs> or that line and, you know, girls and their dogs on Instagram. Um, so I, but what's great is it shows kind of your generosity and it shows to me um, that coherence in your production and that kind of constant reflection. Like you're not just seeing your self reflected in the mirror, but it's like you're seeing other um, primarily women, girls, female identified people, but not always. Just, mm -hmm. you know, this idea of how many reflections can go through the, you know, the fun house of life, I guess. Mm. That's very well put. <laughs> yeah, I was like turning red while you were talking about that because it is, it is, I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely took comfort knowing that like not a ton of people would be reading them and also no one would be reading them all together except for maybe you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, uh, I love, I love that, that project. Yeah. It's funny how in the artist book world, in this book world, there are these little kind of secret worlds and it's, um, I've, I've had a great time working with you at Bookland. It's really been a great experience. And I think everyone at Bookland has liked your work. Um, one last question, and then I'm going to get, let you have the last word. Um, so how is, 
um, the uh, graphic novel doing? Like, how is Unretouchable doing? Like, what's what's the chatter? So it came out very recently in September, and it got a ton of really, really good press, um, you know, in the very beginning. And I have no idea how it's doing. I don't really know when <laughs> I get to find out, like, when I will get a royalty statement or anything. But um, right. it did win some... Uh, award that like meant that a bunch of copies would be um purchased for schools and libraries so that was really exciting wow congratulations and, yeah so that was cool and yeah i mean it's very strange putting something out into the world uh in this way and having to like market myself on social media which is like very <laughs> weird when like the book in a lot of ways is a critique on social media. And I, as a person, hate social media so much. And yet <laughs> I have to like engage on it uh, for this book. It was a very, um, very interesting experience. Well, great, Sophia. Uh, great, Sophia. Congratulations. Um, I'm going to give you the last word. So go ahead. Well, I guess I will say I just want to express true gratitude to you Marshall and to Brooklyn you guys are so cool I tell anyone I can about you uh, as often as possible and I love all the work that you guys do and you've just been such hugely influential um, supporters of me for so long now and I'm very grateful and yeah keep an eye out for um i think i told you about my z new zine nipstagram which is actually <laughs> an interesting um like continuation to the from the girls to the me too you know definitely belongs in the social me box set and um so yeah keep your eyes out for that well sophia thank you so much you know for your work for working with Brooklyn and um Congratulations on the new book, and oh, um, we're excited about Nipstagram and all the rest of your work. Um, folks can always uh, learn more about you at bookland.org. Just look for Sophia Zamozi. Um, and then I guess we're not going to give them any of your social media handles since you hate no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> so Sophia Zamozi <laughs> is my Instagram, and my name www.sophiasimosi.net net.com is my website. <laughs> Great. So people check that out and thank you again. And um, thanks everybody out there for listening to Bookland Calling and we'll see you next time. This podcast was made possible in part by funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs and in partnership with the City Council and from individual donors to Bookland Inc. You can support this podcast by making a donation at bookland.org slash donate.